You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. Well, happy Mother's Day, Ridgecrest. It's so good to be with you today. And as a pastor of many years and preaching many sermons and going through many, many Mother's Days, I want to tell you, moms, it always feels like this is a moment of inadequacy because it's hard to express in words just how much of a blessing you all are to us. And as, as I think about what it is that I can say to you, how I can encourage you today, um, one of the things that the Lord laid on my heart, something that he, he impressed upon me very deeply was that we just needed to encourage you with a simple gospel message. I got to thinking about how every single mom, when they hear the, the cry of their child, when they hear that sound uh, of need, every mother immediately jumps in and, uh, and immediately begins to help and to bring the kind of strength and encouragement that is needed. And just as, as a mom is always going to answer the cry of her child, I believe that Jesus is always going to answer our cries. When we cry out to him for salvation, for strength, and for help, he will hear us. In fact, our passage today from Acts chapter 2 is a powerful passage of salvation. But the verse that, that starts it all is really in verse 21. I'm going to just read this to you. It won't be there on the screen for you, but hear this. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So just as we know that a mom is going to answer the cry of her child, we know that Jesus is going to answer our cry as well. So listen to this passage, Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, as Peter, as he's there on the day of Pentecost, as he's sharing uh, his heart, notice these three verses in this simple gospel presentation. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite, uh, the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you will take these three verses and impress upon our hearts this great truth. The truth that there is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. And so we want to hear this message today. And God, we pray that you will touch hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Acts chapter 2 shows us how to preach Jesus. But I want to tell you, it's not just the job of preachers to preach the gospel. I think that it's important for all people to preach the gospel, all Christians, but especially mothers. Moms, you have a very sacred spot in the lives of your children, and your voice needs to be heard. I know this is true when I go back into history and study uh, about the, the great men and women of God who've been great influencers in the culture and around the world. From the uh, 1900s, there's a great story about G. Campbell Morgan. He was a famous British pastor. His dad was a pastor and his three sons were pastors. And someone once asked him, 
who is the greatest preacher of the Morgans? And, and G. Campbell said, well, that's easy. It's my mother. Elizabeth Fawn Morgan, she was the backbone of the family. She had preached the gospel to her children and then her children and all those around her became great gospel witnesses. I shared with you in the little promo for this Sunday, the story of Robert Moffat. He was a man who touched the continent of Africa for Jesus. But in his early days, he was not a Christ follower. It was his mother who, who sought the Lord in prayer and, and would continually preach the gospel to Robert. And that's what led him to be converted. Some have said that when Robert Moffat was converted, a whole continent was touched with the gospel. And I love this line, a mother's kiss did it all. What a beautiful testimony about simple faith. A, a woman who, who in history is not going to be in any books or anything like that, but has touched even a whole continent. And I go back another hundred years to the 1700s, Susanna Wesley. Much is known about her. She was a faithful woman who would pray an hour a day for her 19 children. Back when I was a kid, we used to celebrate the mom with the most children present in worship. I think Susanna would have won it just about every single Mother's Day. But 19 children, yet she took an hour. Now, moms, I know you're busy. I know you got a lot going on, but just think about that. 19 children before uh, all the modern amenities that we have today, and she spent an hour in prayer. Now, let me tell you what that led to. John Wesley and Charles helped lead a movement of revival into England that was so powerful that, that it changed an entire country. And when the French were going through the Revolutionary War, uh, the revolution that they went through, uh, Britain didn't go through that. And I think one of the reasons why is because of the spiritual influence of the Wesleys. Moms, you, as you preach the gospel, you can change the world. And so today as we hear these stories, we're reminded that a mother's faithful witness for Christ can change the world. Grab hold of that today. And I think the best gift I can give to each mother, since we can't be together, is just a reminder of how good our gospel is. Let's take a moment and look at verse 22 a little bit more closely. And we see in verse 22 how we're to open our eyes to see his power. Moms, one of the things that, that you need to do as you're raising your children is you need to open the eyes of those in your home to the work, the marvelous work of Jesus. Look at verse 22 again. And Peter is saying, hear these words. He's saying, listen, but he's saying, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with what? Mighty works and signs that God did through him in your midst. In other words, remember that God has done great things in your presence. God is always working, brothers and sisters, but I'm not sure that even believers and followers of Jesus are always watching, opening their eyes to what God is doing. It is so easy to go through our lives and to, and to forget all the things that God has done. And as we read that verse 21 a moment ago, we know that the one who can save all who call on him is none other than Jesus. And he is the one who has done mighty works. Now it's interesting. 
that Peter in this sermon, but I think we also see in the witness of the New Testament, they don't shy away from Jesus's humble human life. In fact, the incarnation is truly the first beautiful mystery of the gospel. And we see in God's word how God dwelt among us. In fact, we can even think about how the gospel, it kind of starts low. It starts in the gravel of earth. In in a very earthy way, we see God stepping down into this world to save us. And and that's part of the gospel message. But also part of the gospel message is, is that when Jesus begins his ministry, he begins with great power, people immediately begin to see that there is something special about Jesus. The imprint that Jesus left on the world is still reverberating uh, 2,000 years later. And part of the reason why is because of the mighty works that he did. Jesus said that he did not come of his own accord, but he was sent and he was sent with power. And one of the things we need to understand about the gospel, when we're taking this time to go through it together, we need to realize that the gospel is first and foremost a story about what God has done for us. When I preach, when when you teach, when you lead in your home, the very first thing you need to do is share with people the great work of God, the things that he has done to save us from our sins, to to cure the hardness of our hearts, to give us the hope that we need. The power of Jesus is the power of God. And I believe that the power of God is not a minor thing. It's a major powerful force in the world today, it is a power that you need to experience. And again, as we think about what this means for moms, well, I believe that Jesus is still at work on earth. I know that Peter is talking to people who would have no doubt have seen Jesus. These are individuals who had heard the voice of Jesus, perhaps had witnessed the miracles of Jesus. But I think today, here's what we need to do, moms and dads. We need to be a people of prayer who who are looking to see where God is at work. And when we see God at work, it is our joy and it should be our privilege to point others and say, look what the Lord has done. Peter understands that for people to receive Jesus, they need to know of his special power, of his amazing love. And I think today, if we're going to be a good witness in our homes and in our communities, we need to do the exact same thing. So moms, teach your children to pray, to pray for specific things. But don't forget this. Don't just teach children to pray, but teach children to acknowledge on the other side of that prayer when God has worked and when God has answered and done a great thing. We need to not just pray, but we need to pray expecting God to work. And when we see him work, then we celebrate that together. I think this passage is a reminder. Always expect Jesus to do great things in our midst. And then always acknowledge the great work and to share that great work with others. What a powerful ministry that could be for us in our homes as we open our eyes to see the power of God. The second thing we need to realize is, is that we can open our heart to forgiving grace. If you look at verse 23, notice this, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. 
you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. One of the ironies of scripture, and I think of life itself, is that we kind of operate under this assumption that we're in control of our lives. Anybody who has uh, tried to be a, a good parent, tried to parent their children, we know there's a lot of things that we can't control. I mean, just in, in terms of our kids' behavior, uh, we, we, we uh, so often will say things like, I've, I've raised those kids better than that. I know my mom surely said that many times. And so many things seem out of our control. We can't control uh, something like uh, whether we get sick or not, whether we have some sort of ailment or disease. Really think about it. How much of this world are we really in control of? But most of the time, most people today assume that they're in control. Now, friends, what we have to do is we need to realize that there is um, responsibility on our end for our actions. We can't dismiss that. But we also need to look at the tension in Scripture and realize that many things are not in our control. And what we have to do is truly just trust in the Lord. Verse 23 here is, I think, one of the best passages of Scripture that shows that tension between that which we do not control and then also at the same time the responsibilities that we have in this world. It's noticeable, isn't it, that... that Peter is preaching here and he speaks about Jesus and how he came and how everything that Jesus has done is part of the definitive plan of God. Nothing was by accident. Everything was foreordained. There's three words here in this verse, predetermined, planned, foreknowledge. This is what uh, this is what makes us cringe. When, when people start thinking about predestination and things like that, they get so upset and worried because then it, it almost sounds like the preacher is saying that it's all going to happen no matter what. We ought to be just fatalistic about it and just give up. But that's not true at all because notice Peter also says you crucified and killed him. That, that, that lawless men crucified and killed him. So even though it was the definitive plan of God, the definite plan of God, there were individuals who made choices to go against that plan of God. And there again is that tension. And it's something that we need to understand in the gospel story. But here's what's truly amazing. The power of Jesus is so powerful that he can save even these lawless individuals who crucified him. I wanted to take a moment and share this with you because I realize that, that many times when we think about our witness, we feel like that we have shared Jesus and people are rejecting it. And I, I wonder if you're like me, sometimes if, if you walk away from a moment when you've shared the gospel, or maybe even with your own children, you've, you've, you've taught them the ways of Jesus and, and, and you notice that they're not following, it is so discouraging. We feel like that we have failed and I understand how that, that, that breaks your heart. It breaks my heart too. But what this passage begins to un, unveil to us is that uh, God is, is the one who does the work. And he can do powerful things. He has a plan. And we don't always see the plan. But what we can be is faithful in every way. Here's something to consider. We own our sin. 
but Jesus owns the salvation. People are saved when, by faith, they confess their sin and ask Jesus to save them. We bring, as one old Puritan said, we bring nothing more to God than our sins, but he is faithful and just to forgive us. He is a savior. Now, this passage is, is, is amazing because Peter is saying to some of these people, you are killers. You crucified and killed him. But if you skip down to verse 38, he then gives them this, this opportunity. He implores them to repent. Now, just think about this. I, I, I wonder sometimes if we just give up on people too easily. That, that even as we witness, we say, well, I'm going to witness to this person because they seem to be a pretty good person. And, and maybe uh, they have enough Christian background that they'll receive the gospel. And you assume that that's what makes the difference. You assume that you know their heart. But listen to this. The power of Jesus is so awesome that he can save anyone. And as I was thinking this morning about this passage and this tension here between what God has foreordained and what we as human beings are responsible to do, it reminded me that there may be many moms out there that have prayed for their children for years and years, maybe decades, and they feel like that there is no way that that son or daughter is ever going to turn from their sins and turn to Jesus. But look at this passage. Peter is talking to the ones who perhaps had cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And he is saying to them, repent and you will be saved. What an amazing hope we have in the gospel. It is powerful enough to save every single sinner. And so don't give up, mom. Keep those prayers going. Trust that the Lord can touch hearts and change lives and move in a mighty way. Remember again, I wanted to start with verse 21 because it is such a powerful Powerful reminder that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For just a moment, go all the way back. If you can find it in time, go back to Lamentations. Now, only a crazy person would refer to Lamentations um, on Mother's Day. But I'm going to do that today, okay? So let's, let's go there real quick. Lamentations 2.19. The Lord spoke to me so powerfully this morning in this verse. Now, as you can imagine, Jeremiah is talking about some dark and difficult topics in the book of Lamentations. But listen to this. He says, arise, cry out. Verse 19, chapter 2, verse 19. Arise, cry out in the night. At the beginning of the night watches, pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint for hunger at the head of every street. I was thinking about this point this morning. I was meditating on it. And that verse came to me. Pour out your heart like water, mothers, before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children. You know, the hunger that many of our children face today is not a hunger of the body, but a hunger of the soul. And I believe that Lamentations chapter 2 verse 19 is a clarion call to mothers and to fathers, to all of us, to not give up. To pray diligently for the salvation of our children. God is able to do it. Romans 8.32 tells us that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? It is okay 
for you right now to cry out for the salvation of your children. In fact, it is necessary. The last verse that we're going to look at here, you must be born again. Verse 24, you must be born again. This is a reminder of our hope of resurrection. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, it says, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. The great truth that we have in the scriptures is that we have victory over death. And in this world of sadness and sorrow, when we see many times mothers and fathers grieving over the lostness of their children or maybe even the loss of their children, it is so important that we have a strength and a hope that is beyond this world. Jesus came and died for our sins and rose again. And I think Peter, as he's giving this very difficult message there on the day of Pentecost, he also wants to remind them that, that it is a difficult world. It is a world where the shadow of death hangs over us all. But when we have Christ, we have the light of the resurrection that blows away the darkness that is there. You see, when Jesus was raised up, death was put down. Peter wants us to know that. He wants us to realize that death cannot hold us any longer when we are in Christ. Now, look at verse 24. One of the reasons I chose this passage is because of this really strange language. It says, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This is actually the language of childbirth. Loosing the pangs of death. The pangs of childbirth is what Peter is referencing here. And here's what the passage is telling us. Death can no longer hold us any more than a mother can resist the birth of a child. When it's time for that child to be born, there is no stopping the coming of that child. And I think Peter is saying in a similar way that when Jesus came, death was on the way out. That there was no way that death could hold on any longer. You see, Jesus rose from the grave, never more to die, so that we could have the hope of eternal life ourselves. The challenge for every single human being is we must reach up to the one that God raised up so that we can rise again with him in new life. This is good news. This is why we must preach Jesus. When I look at this passage and I, I see that reference to, to birth, this, this new birth in Christ. Yes, we realize that we are born into this world of sin. Our, our mothers bring us into this world. But Jesus tells us in John 3 that we must be born again. There's a moment in all of our lives where we have to come to the realization that there's something broken in us that can only find its fix in Jesus. A mother's love, a father's love, the love of a church. All of these things are good in our lives. But ultimately, what we need most is the love of Jesus. When we have the love of Jesus, then we have a hope that cannot be taken away from us. Oh friend, you must be born again. What an important lesson for us to learn today. What a sacred truth that we must embrace. We must be born again. So I say to you, each of you here that are listening, 
we, re- we need to realize that it's imperative that we hear the gospel message. The best gift that I could give a mom or a dad is encouragement in gospel grace. I could, I could take a few minutes and give you a laundry list of things to do that would maybe make your parenting better. Uh, try to play the pop psychologist and give you all the great advice. But you know, the truth is, is that each one of us, when it comes to parenting our children or even discipling others in Christ, we have to be so cognizant of each individual and who they are and where they are. So all the advice I could give you, some of it might apply, some of it might not. But one thing I know for sure, when I share the gospel with you. When I walk you through the simple truths of Jesus's life, his death for your sins and burial, and the fact that he rose again, when we can continually meditate on those truths, internalizing them, not just in our minds, but in our hearts, so that our lives literally are constantly preaching the gospel, that's what can truly make a difference for you. When I was a, a young boy and raised in church by my mom and dad who faithfully took me to church, so thankful for that witness in my life. One of the things I remember uh, were some of the old hymns. And one of the, the writers of those hymns I found out pretty early in my life was Fanny J. Crosby. A lot of the old hymns that, that I sung as a child were written by this precious lady. She wrote songs like Blessed Assurance, Rescue the Perishing, to God be the glory. And I'm going to stop right there because I could go on and on. And many of you who were raised on some of those old hymns, you would know them and know that they're some of the most amazing uh, hymns ever written. But the thing about Fanny J. Crosby is, is that her life was anything but easy. Very early in this world, just six weeks after her birth, she lost her vision. She went blind and continued throughout her life without her earthly vision. But what's so amazing is, is that a woman without earthly vision seemed to be able to see into heaven better than than any of us who can see maybe with 20-20 vision. As an adult, she lost a little girl to her and her husband Van uh, to SIDS, a sudden infant death syndrome when the baby was just days old. That terrible grief led her to write the following words. And I want you to hear this. And I, I know this is a sad thought, but it's powerful. It's a reminder of why moms and dads, we have to cling to the resurrection. It gives us hope. Jesus, my heart's dear refuge, Jesus has died for me. Firm on the rock of ages, ever my trust shall be. Here, let me wait with patience. Wait till the night is o'er. Wait till I see the morning break on the golden shore. A blind woman, a blind mother who had lost a child, knew that she would wait till she saw the morning break on the golden shore. That's the faith, not just of a strong mother, but of a strong Christian. Listen, the best gift that you can give those you love is to preach Jesus. We see that in Acts 2, and I pray that your children will see that in your life as well. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.